0: People like to say that you should talk less and listen more, and this is certainly true. However, people like to add that you only learn when you're listening, and you don't learn when you're speaking. And if you're a Christian, you might say something like, we're meant to speak less even half as much as how much we listen. I'm kind of losing the grammar there, but the point is, speak half as much as you listen, right? So listen twice as much as you speak. And all of this is great, and it makes a lot of sense. And as a sales guy, I know that you're meant to get your customer to do all the talking, and you The listening, and I'm the one, in fact, who would train people saying that the person who is asking questions and listening, just like a cop, is the one who's actually in control of a conversation. The person who's speaking is not the person in control, however much we like to speak. In any case, the purpose of this little intro spiel is just to say that, for me, Talking does serve a purpose other than simply communicating and getting my point across. Speaking or talking out loud for me actually helps me organize my thoughts. And furthermore, it helps me realize new things. So, at least for myself, I can say that speaking actually does help me learn. And it's not just a case of, listening to learn. So in recording these podcasts, I've actually come to a number of realizations. In fact, it seems almost astounding to me that I've actually, in my own mind, seem to have arrived at a, cent- a central bastion of self-help, as it were, or what I, myself, at least currently, consider to be the central premise of the whole thing. This was one of the questions I had asked and I've been asking throughout this series of recordings. First off, you know, the fundamental question of does self-help work? Can we actually change ourselves? Is it possible? And if it is possible, then what is the core Concept of self help that would enable a person to change themselves. This really, these two questions really are the essence of why I have been recording these lectures. So, once again, you look at someone like a Bill Gates, you look at someone like a Steve Jobs, right? And it seems like a person like Elon Musk or a person like Larry Ellison of Oracle, where I used to work, or a person like Dave Hewlett or Bill Packard, any of these famous or eminent or successful people, and even people you may know yourself, people who are exceptional in as much as having an ordered life, which really is the exception and not the rule, it would seem for the most of us, most of us are disorganized and lazy and don't do what we know we should do and kind of unhappy and kind of live sloppy lives, myself included. And then you see these people that are so meticulous and ordered. And you know what, even if they're not organized per se, they seem to have a a a kind of groove that they're in, in as much as their life is ordered and under their control, let's say. You know, they're living according to a certain flow and they're in control of that flow. You know, so you can be laid back. You know, a good example might be a Tim Burton, you know, as an extreme kind of example. Now, he's not really someone you would say is organized or even an Einstein for that matter. And in fact, apparently at Google, um a lot of the people the high performing people there you know you go into their office and it's like a a, a bomb a paper bomb went off i was listening to the audiobook how google works by the ex chairman or ex ceo eric schmidt i believe he's now the chairman of alphabet or what have you but they talk about different character types right and one of them i think is the diva Right, and you've got knights and divas and knaves. Knave is like a bad, kind of, a bad apple. Right, an employee that demotivates others or is not a top performer, etc., etc. You want to get rid of right away. Very interesting book, and you know it's another it's another thing or theme or subject that I've studied intensely over the years, especially since university and my own. Uh, foray into the Fortune 500 world, working for companies like Oracle and Compuware and Computer Associates. I dare say working for and selling to Fortune 500 companies. I'm proud to say I did that for about 10 years. And, uh, you know, currently doing my own thing as a marketing consultant. But in any case, very interesting book, How Google Works. And they talk about the value of having the right team. And so what they say is that you essentially get the right group of people together. That's that's really the key to a successful company. Not having the right, it's not about having the right product or the right idea. I mean, those are like outmoded notions of business. And this is why I love internet marketing so much because internet marketers are the real deal. It's just like saying, for example, you've got tough tough guys and then you've got someone who's been in a war or someone who's been to jail or someone who's lived on the street. A so-called tough guy who's ha- led a sheltered existence all their life can't hold a candle to you know, a hardened criminal from a jail or the street or someone who's been in a war and seen real hardship or deprivation in the same way. The marketing that I learned at university and the marketing that I was absorbed in for 10 years in a Fortune 500 corporate environment, as far as I'm concerned, it's not even theory. It's just totally baseless suppositions. At the very most, you can say that it works in a corporate setting. But I dare say, unfortunately, this is just my view on things. A corporate setting, for the most part, is a sterile and... uh, Unimaginative, uncreative, and a stagnant kind of environment it's It's a wonder to me that corporations produce such amazing products. This is one of the mysteries of this world in my mind when you think about corporations being made up of eighty percent of the people in them are just more or less idiots like myself and yourself, dear listener and just bumbling buffoons and for the most part even people in corporations talk about how bad and how politicized and how uh you know how much of an ass-kissing environment there is and how little real work gets done and and things of that nature now on the other hand you take a company like Google i believe there are um you know companies out there like i've worked at a couple of companies like this Companies that are exceptional in in as much as being really excellent and, you know, doing things their own way, doing what works, not doing things just because everyone else does them a certain way. And it's usually the smaller companies. And then I suppose because I haven't worked there and I haven't really met any Googlers, although a couple of prominent Googlers were following me on Twitter at some point. I'm not sure if they still do. Um, I haven't spoken to a Googler as in a Google employee uh, in depth or what have you. So I only have secondhand information is what I'm trying to say. But it seems that Google would be kind of an excellent company. And 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 I dare say Apple in its heyday was pretty much the same. And it's unfortunate that, you know, nowadays you hear about all these loose lawsuits of ex-Google employees or, you know, things of that nature. And, you know, I listened to this audio book called it was something called like evil empire not evil empire but broken empire or something like that about apple and how apple since the death of steve jobs has kind of plummeted downhill and i dare say um while we're on the topic steve jobs himself you know iconic you know semi semi-godly kind of person I, an iconic demigod for the most of, you know, uh, for most of us, and myself included, right? I hero worship Steve Jobs just like everyone else, but it does need saying that he was pretty intense, a pretty intense dude, and somewhat of a, a major a hole in some regards. I mean, I guess it just came with part and, part and parcel of uh, flying against, flying in the face of all conventions. In any case. It's talking about Google, talking about excellence, talking about having the right people. That was just a tangent. But now that we're back at Steve Jobs, you take someone like Steve Jobs or Bill Gates or Elon Musk or Larry Ellison. And they're super successful. They're super successful. It's just like a verse of the Quran where Allah says that there are some people who we bless with no limits. And it seems to be the case. There's some people who simply have, they seem to have everything. And it's like, whoa, how come some people get everything? And then it's like, is it the law of attraction or what is it? And so we'll get to the law of attraction, hopefully in, in a future session. But the question I've asked in this series of recordings is, is someone like Steve Jobs programmed in a certain way? And were they always that way? And unfortunately, what happens is that when you read an autobiography of Steve Jobs, like Walter Isaacson's seminal autobiography, um, a lot of the times, people who write about famous people, it's almost like the present distorts the past, or you start seeing things through uh, rose-colored glasses, right? So, you talk about Bill Gates, and then you read about how he was always a nerdy kid and then when he started Microsoft he was coding for 72 hours and then he'd roll up curl into a ball and sleep on the floor of his office and he didn't he didn't take a a day off for 10 for for 10 years in the 80s when he's building Microsoft and you and you read about Steve Jobs and you're and you're reading about this dude who was so intense that he dropped out of high school and lived on a commune in Oregon then he went wandering around India for six months barefoot totally broke right and then suddenly he started Apple and a few years later they have an IPO and he's worth 346 million dollars and he says well I went from not having any money to having more I never worried about money because I went from having none to having more than I could ever spend Right. And his official salary at Apple when he returned was like a dollar a year or something ridiculous like that. Um, But you ask the question, are these guys born that way? And if you look at successful people in your life, you know, once again, it seems like there are certain people who are just with it. They're more organized. Uh, they're more clear about what they want in life. And even as kids, you ask them and it's like Tiger Woods is three years old and he's on the the hit 80s TV show, That's Incredible. And he's putting like 25-yard putts and stuff and he's like three and they ask him, what do you want to do? And he's like, I want to be the greatest golfer in the world. And he's like three and he just knows this. Or Metallica's drummer, Lars Ulrich. At age three, he's given a set of drums, and that's it. That's it. It's just like history in the making. So you ask yourself, are some people just made to be certain a certain way? Now, on the other hand, you know I'm subscribed to Scribd. Scribd, the online document portal. Most people know Scribd as an online document portal. If you're searching for a document, oftentimes you'll find it find it on SlideShare or Scribd. Scribd is actually an amazing subscription service where you can access unlimited audiobooks for just like nine bucks a month, as opposed to paying 30 to 40 bucks at audible.com. You go to Scribd and you get unlimited audiobooks. And the coolest of cool things is you don't even have to download them onto your phone and listen to them one at a time. I've got literally 300 plus audiobooks on my playlist or saved list right now, and you can stream them on your phone and they don't even use that much data so you can literally walk around town at the gym you know driving around or well not driving probably because you need your ears but if you're on the train or whatever you can be listening to audiobooks the whole time and and that's pretty much what i do i'll go out for a jog or working out in the morning i'm constantly listening to audiobooks and this is this has been going on for for a while now, like a multi-year type of deal. So I'll go through different phases, right? I mean, the self-help and motivational aspect is always there. And then, you know, I might binge on business type books like Gary Vaynerchuk or Seth Godin. Um, I might binge on history, right? Rise and fall of the Roman Empire, or I might start binging on literature and it's amazing stuff because you know what like most people you're probably the kind of person if you're listening to this that used to read a lot and now doesn't read as much and I dare say you should really try audiobooks. You should get into audiobooks. I mean I can understand if you say I don't have time to read. I don't have time to read either and all my reading is online probably just like yours too. Hey I've got plenty of books and I still buy books. I don't ever read any books. Why would you read a book when you've got a phone right? I know you can read books on your phone, but what have what 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 have you? You know what i'm what I'm saying. I mean, get audiobooks, listen to audiobooks, and so I'll binge and and for you know six months, I was listening to world War two books and I'm somewhat of a World War two buff now, you know I know all the key battles and the history and at least five separate times that hitler could have won world war Two, but for dot 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 you know i mean he literally in 1942 had the world in the palm of his hands he had he'd conquered france in like two weeks you know he conquered poland within a month conquered france in two weeks took over czechoslovakia and austria uh with with no uh pushback uh you know, che- Czechoslovakia, he took over, and Austria, they annexed. In any case, and so the English and French wanted to to defeat him. And you know what? Hitler's the devil. I've said this before. Hitler, bad, devil. You know, it's the same with Trump. You can down him and bad him and call him a, a, a fascist and a nationalist and racist and all these evil things, which he certainly is or appears to be, but at the same time, he does have some preeminent qualities. After all, he's the president of the United States of America. He's an eminent businessman in, in in some shape or form. You might be like, oh, well, he's bankrupt or he doesn't have hundreds of billions of dollars. Whatever. He's achieved huge levels of success that you and I would, would give a right arms for, right? Not only at that, he's succeeded in, in the entertainment world. All these diverse... Spheres, and he's been successful in, and all we can do is badmouth the guy. Anyway, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, Elon Musk. But then you look at, as I have been recently, listening to audiobooks about serial killers. Now, I mean, it's something that I'm almost like reluctant to admit. But I mean, all of us have this kind of fetish about the dark side of human nature. Like, what is it? What's going on? the good and the bad that's why we're so fixated on celebrities and all their flaws and so forth and so you know i i've i've listened i've been listening to audiobooks you know there's the book mind hunter by douglas uh, john douglas i believe his name is and killer across the table and then the green river killer and i you know usually i'll listen to like several chapters of a book just to get an idea of the kind of crimes and the horrific brutality uh and and some of these monsters were just like out of it just insane people but but the question then the inverse question right so you ask what made these people like this now there are exceptions like dennis Rader, the btk killer one of the worst and most sadistic people ever created on god's green earth by god i i I guess it's just like the song by the death metal band deicide it's called lunatic of god's creation it's about charles manson and basically you know death metal people down and bad and denigrate and um you know uh criticize but the question the question becomes you know what are these songs about right so lunatic of God's creation is basically him asking how could God create such an evil creature in Charles Manson right so if there's a God then God's responsible for Charles Manson and that's a that's a question for another podcast certainly not this podcast which I've been trying to keep secular but you look at serial killers and then you ask the question Were it's exactly like the question you'd ask of successful people. Were they always this way? Were they made to be serial killers? Now Dennis Rader, the BTK killer, bind, torture, and kill, one of the most sadistic people ever who who took, you know, undue pleasure and whatnot from his crimes. Like some serial killers were more opportunistic, like they would you know just kill people who happened upon them uh, or, or kind of cross paths with them. They weren't as much predators as such. Um, but Dennis Rader in 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 Wichita, Kansas, certainly was one of the worst of the worst type of characters. I mean, some serial killers, you know, like uh, Kempfer. There's some dude called Ed Kempfer. And he killed his relatives and friends and stuff like that. And, you know, that's one thing. But actually going out or, you know, to be driven by by lust or desire is one thing. But to be sadistic and just want to torture and cause pain and brutalize people, you know, so the BTK killer was one of the worst that way. And he he was super. And here's the thing. He was super intelligent. He was actually a Lutheran. A devout Lutheran and he was not only a devout Lutheran he was the president of his church he was in the Navy for 10 years and so essentially a role model kind of citizen and for like 20 plus years he eluded the the uh, authorities he he went on this rampage back in the 70s uh, uh, you know 70s 80s 90s or something like that and stopped for like 20 years and then resurfaced in two thousand and four just kind of on a whim and, and got caught. But apart from him, it seems to me all of the all of the, there may be one or two serial killers that I've that I've uh come across in this in this kind of binge and listening to these audiobooks over the last several months or, or so. One or two seem to be just like either Dennis Rader, highly exceptional person, or You know, uh, the Green River Killer, for example, just a normal blue-collar kind of person. But some of these people, like if you take a Charles Hatcher, or if you take um, uh, Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker in L.A. during the early 80s, and even actually take Dennis Rader. Actually, you know what? Dennis Rader is exactly the same, which is that They had perverse thoughts and inclinations and feelings since childhood. They had these weird visions and fantasies and they were drawn to grotesque things. And actually Dennis Rader, BT killer, used to torture animals. He just suddenly realized he was fascinated by this and causing pain. And over the years, his, his fantasies and his need to cause pain and suffering just grew and grew and grew. So... Once again, you ask the question, was a serial killer meant to be a serial killer? Were they, did they have these an ingrained character or personality traits that m- turned them into that? And at the same time, was Bill Gates meant to be you a know, $90 billion rich man who's basically changed the world? Same with Steve Jobs. So the question pertaining to me and you, dear listener, is, you know what? If I'm living a sloppy life and I'm not everything I want to be, and there's so much more that I would have liked to achieve, which I can't, is there hope? Could I turn my life around? Could I become that excellent version of myself, a so-called super being? Could I live life at the level of a Steve Ga- Steve Jobs or a Bill Gates, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? Or is it that some people were just meant to be successful and some people were not? So, in answer to this question, it's it's still an ongoing question, and there's a really no definitive way of 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 answering that question with a yes or no. But one of the biggest, um, you know, one of the biggest, you know, reasons uh, to believe, first of all, each of us inside believes that it is possible to change, just based on the bent of our nature and that spark of faith and hope that each of us has within us and that spark of a dream but one of the biggest proofs to me in in the material world in as much as a group of people who have achieved extraordinary things coming from average and mediocre backgrounds is the multi-level world of amway and i've mentioned this in a previous podcast where you have people who are you know Flipping burgers and working at restaurants and working dead-end jobs and you know uh, you know car wash manager or anywhere up to a lawyer or a pharmacist or you know U.S. uh, Navy officer or Marine or uh, people from all walks of life and people who repeatedly hundreds of them and thousands of them who have succeeded and become multimillionaires since you know 1960s when when Amway started they all say the same thing that we had hang ups we didn't believe in ourselves we hadn't achieved anything in, in as much as major success in life and we've transformed ourselves and our lives through XYZ process and XYZ associations with other people. So that group of people is immensely inspirational, whether or not you believe in network marketing or the Amway business model in specific. So that question of can we actually change ourselves is obviously up in the air. We'd like to think we can. Like from my own experience of listening to self-help stuff and reading it and watching it and associating with people as much as I can for 30 plus years, it really hasn't seemed to have done anything for me as far as my life and me being more or less an abject failure. On the other hand, the second question becomes, what is it specifically, the one key thing that we can focus on in order to affect change in our lives? And I believe through the process of recording these lectures, I've actually arrived at a new notion of this central concept. In a previous episode, I had mentioned the idea of forgetting about external success and trying simply to be the best person you can. So instead of saying, I want to be like Tony Robbins, or I want to be super confident, or super this, or super that, or super successful, what you should be saying is, I want to be the best version of myself. So do the very best you can at every point in time, just like Don Juan would preach to Carlos Castaneda. However, and that, that, by the way, is all well and good, but it seems to me that these lectures have kind of and they've kind of shook up my kind of like internal underpinnings and thoughts and maybe subconscious uh, musings or what have you about this whole subject because after 20 or 30 years or however long I finally arrived at a new concept which it appears I'm only going to have time to introduce in this episode and I'll delve into further And that is the idea of self-worth or you might say self-image and so here's the question and the answer what does every successful person have in common as in what is that one trait that is shared by everyone who is successful in whatever shape or form is it hard work no there's plenty of hard workers who are failures is it a case of is it a case of being intelligent? No, it's not intelligence. Is it a case of um, you know being gifted in some shape or form? If you go through all of the different things and characteristics and potential uh, you know traits of successful people, you'll start scratching them off one by one until you arrive at one central thing. And of course it's not just desire because everyone wants to succeed. It's not persistence because there's so many people like myself that try and try and try and yet continue to fail. What is it? What it is, is that successful people are those people who feel that they deserve success. They feel worthy of the best and the best and nothing but the best in this life. And by the way, if anyone else, like if other people are worthy of success, then why not yourself and myself? So I want you to think about this and... I appreciate you listening, Um, I'm going to delve more into this concept in the next episode but once again, every successful person first and foremost believes that they are worthy of success and for the most part if you look at your own life you should ask the question have I always considered myself worthy of success and do I consider myself worthy of success right now deep down within you. Thank you for listening. Have a great day and we'll talk to you soon.